There's lots of people in the in mainstream sales profession who have no passion for what it is that they're selling this widget or that widget, and they're just sales for hire. But people in your space, they love what they do. And so there's no reason why you should be afraid or ashamed of, of selling because all you're doing is you're conveying the enthusiasm you have for what it is you do to your customer. That's it. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. Do you feel icky about closing your interior design consultations? Well then, today's episode is just for you. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah at Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency for you, the interior designers and adjacent verticals, Darla Jethro Powell. And I'm very excited for today's show because I absolutely adored today's guest's recent book, Sell the Way You Buy, David Primer. I was reading it and it just really opened my mind and changed my mindset to how I approach sales in my agency. And when looking back, I could see how it would have tremendously helped me when I was doing full-time interior design in Miami. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. I think you're going to find it very helpful in how David approaches selling to make it not the used car salesman floaty balloon thing. You're going to like it. Stay tuned. But first, we have some housekeeping. Wingnut Academy, I swear to you, is coming. It is pushed back a little bit, and that is only due to our bandwidth and our capacity from the overwhelming response from you guys out there in wanting to have us do your digital marketing for you. So it did get pushed back a little bit, but I'm telling you it's coming and it's going to be amazing. And that's Instagrams for interior designers. You're going to want to go over to wingnutsocial.com slash wingnutacademy. Just check out Wingnut Academy to get on the list for that course that's coming out. It is going to be really incredible and include our systems and processes and some of our secret sauce and how we do digital marketing on behalf of our interior designers. If you want to do it yourself, maybe you don't have that full blown out budget to delegate it to a firm. This month's webinar again, Rochelle Plett, she is going to teach us all about value engineered furnishings, why it's crap <laughs> and why your clients don't want to buy it. And you're going to get educated and be able to make that argument and show them the difference between what it is that you're offering as an interior designer versus what they can get at any big box store or on the internet, etc. You're going to be able to confidently sell that value, especially with the techniques that you're going to learn in today's show with David Bremer. So that being said, before we get into our interview with David, Y'all know what time it is. Time for Men in News. Men in News Sash. Yeah. yeah. All right. This week, we welcome back Alicia McAfee to the Mini News. Alicia is a social media manager at Wingnut Social, and Instagram has something new that I think could be pretty helpful for us business owners. Right, Alicia? What do you got? Yeah. So Instagram officially launched the Instagram pinning, which basically means that you can pin one of your posts or a video or a reel to the top of your page up to three. And so, you know, if you have a post that's doing really well and you don't want it to get lost in the mix of your feed, you can pin it to the top. Or if you want to pin something that introduces your business or talks about your services, you can pin it to the top and then people can kind of go there. And that's one of the first things that they see. So I think it's super helpful for businesses. 
I like that. I like that. I pinned our webinar for this month to the top so it just doesn't get lost down into the feed because it's upcoming. We put that out like a month in advance. That could be very helpful. So what kind of posts would you recommend putting to the top of a feed for interior designers or architects? In our case, it works perfect because we do have an event. We have the webinar. So it's great to put that because it's time sensitive. um, And we want people to obviously see that and register And so that's great to be pinned at the top. But for interior designers, you know, they can pin something talking about their services. Or maybe, you know, if they have a special focus, an area that they want to focus on in design, they can talk about that and pin that so that people come to their page and they can see like, oh, wow, this is, you know, a sustainable designer or biophilic designer or whatever their kind of niche is. And I think that it'll help people really see who they are at first glance. So yeah. What are we looking for? Is there like a little, is it pretty cut and dry? Is there a little directive there uh, to show us how to pin it to the top? Well, whenever you post something and it can be, you know, just images or a reel or a video at the top right, there will be three dots. And if you click on those, there'll be an option to pin it and you'll just pin it to the top of your feed. So pretty simple. I imagine you can unpin it in the same way. Yeah, definitely. All right. So when that event passes, I'm going to unpin it. That's right. (laughs) All right, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us again this week. We'll see you next time. See ya. Many new sash. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, David Premer. Welcome to the podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing great, Darla. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you here. I've actually been teasing you to the audience. Your book, Sell the Way You Buy, has really been eye-opening for me. And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get David on the show because you can really help our audience help build their business, close their sales on their consultations. I have no doubt. So terrific, terrifically thrilled that you said yes. Before we get in to my interview, just tell the audience who you are, how you help, and then we'll dive in. Yeah. So my name is David Premer. I'm the founder and chief sales scientist, as I say, at Cerebral Selling. Like everyone who got into sales, I got into sales by accident, started my career as a research scientist over 20 years ago, and then I'm getting into sales at the turn of the dot-com boom. Absolutely fell in love with sales because it's so complex, almost like an engineering problem. And yet, when you tell someone you're in sales, you become the enemy. <laughs> I know. And I didn't really like that part <laughs> I- of it. So... So I said, okay, well, after 20 years of sales leadership, and I work primarily at high growth B2B technology companies through acquisitions, and I love what I did, but I said, like, how can I help? How can I help sellers? How can I help business owners do this thing that's so important and central, which by the way, we don't teach in school and people don't know this is a thing you can do. How do we teach them to do it in a way that is powerful, emotionally connected, doesn't make them feel gross? And so I started a, a practice completely dedicated. And of course, the book dedicated to teaching people the art and science of, of really human selling. Selling the way you buy, right? Like I said, I love that book. And I think that the biggest pain point for our audience, which is mostly solopreneurs or B2B interior design business owners and or the principals of the rainmakers that are listening to the show and their number one job is to get clients, to sell clients, to go to consultations, close those clients, sell products, sell furniture. And I think that we all have in our head this old school cringy used car salesman (laughs) icky vibe. That's one aspect of it. And another aspect of it is just feeling icky and asking for it. Just There's just a whole bunch of anxiety and hesitation and even knowledge on and how to do it. We just get a lot of anxiety revolved around sales. What I like around your book, which we're going to talk, is that if we flip that and look at that as a way to actually legitimately help 
people with the relationship and the emotional selling. I think it's a game changer. So let's start with that. Let's talk about the difference between the old school trope of selling and how sell the way you buy launches us in a whole new direction. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the kind of the negative emotion that people have towards selling does come from the historical perspective. And Dan Pink talks about this in his book, which is not to burst the bubble later on, but one of my favorite sales books is called To Sell as Human. And he talks about this idea that back in the day, there existed this information imbalance. And it's one of the reasons why we hate talking to salespeople. Imagine you to go, you go to buy that used car. You don't know if that used car is a piece of crap or it's actually good. The salesperson knows, and you're always wondering, do they have more information about this thing than I do? And even today, we're always very suspicious of salespeople because of this information imbalance, even though a lot of that, what he refers to as information asymmetry, that imbalance, has been now replaced by parity. Like, you can go online and read reviews, and even for your people listening to this, I could Google your business, and there's all sorts of review sites and so on that come up. And yet, we're still always worried. Like, what's the real deal? What is this person not telling me? And so, we always kind of go into these relationships with kind of this fear and trepidation. And so, a lot of this is historical. But also, nowadays, selling is so much harder. Because whatever it is that you do or I do, there's like a million people that do what we do, right? And you end up getting stuck in what I refer to as the sea of sameness, right? To your customers, you just all just all sound the same. So in addition to the problem of, I don't want to talk to you, part of it is like, I don't have the mental cycles to figure out the uniqueness of what it is that you do. I got my own problems, especially now in a post-pandemic world. So connecting with customers, much harder than it used to be because of this, again, this imbalance and this perception, but also like you're stuck in the sea of sameness. We're all more distracted than ever before. That is so true. So tell us a little bit about the emotional part of the selling. Instead of going into a consultation and saying, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Clients, here's my services. Here's what I offer. It's X amount of money. Are we good or not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how we're looking at this different. Yeah. Well, the way I kind of think about everything is what's the problem we're trying to solve here? What's the problem I can help solve for you? And it's funny. I'll give you a, a personal example. Now, in all fairness, your particular, and especially your listeners, your area of expertise is not where I often focus. However, as a consumer... I find myself on your site all the time. And of course, as someone who has been isolating in a post-pandemic world, my wife is kind of looking around the house and she's, we should, we got to redo the kit. The kitchen needs this. And then this bathroom needs that. And we need to do the furniture. And what we end up with is kind of this paralysis of what do we do? And I can't tell you how many people we've had kind of traipsing through the house and they're like, yeah, I would do this and we can switch that. And here's this and that. And really like, That's not the problem I'm looking to solve. Like a nicer this and a bigger that is not the problem I'm looking to solve. The real thing from an emotional perspective, what am I buying? I'm buying someone who's going to come in and remove all of the decision making off my plate. Because one of the worst things about having to go through some kind of renovation or change is like having to pick every single little last thing, right? And so imagine like this person came in and said, hey, look, we can talk about how I can help. But like, I'll tell you, like I specifically work with homeowners who love this idea of kind of transformation, but hate the fact that they have to pick every little thing. What we're doing here is we're getting into this realm of emotional selling. Again, I'm not buying. Now, look, now that's, again, that statement might be really relevant for someone who doesn't want to pick everything. Someone who wants to be exceptionally involved, that's not going to work for. But that's part of the sales process. As you're talking to your clients, is thinking about they're not just like buying the service. They're buying the emotion 
that comes with the service. And that's the big misnomer, especially in sales, is we think that people buy solutions to problems. But in reality, we buy one thing first and foremost all the time, which is feelings. And certainly in the creative space, as many of your listeners are in, that's what we're buying. And by the way, like it, it could be that your particular superpower is taking all the decision-making off your client's plate. Or maybe your superpower is, I give you this incredible look for a fraction of the price. Or maybe I provide a super high-end service that's very high touch, and it is not a fit for someone who just wants to, to have something like cheap and cheerful, right? So really knowing your audience and the feelings that they're buying when they buy you is super important when it comes to aligning your sales motion. One of the things that I really loved about your book, and it just really illustrated and resonated with me, but not only the visual of it was very memorable, it stuck with me was the philosophy of the cutting, <laughs> cutting your clients and putting a bandaid on it, not in a literal sense. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, kind of what I said at the outset that people are so distracted nowadays, not just in a post pandemic world, everyone has things to worry about. But there's so many products and services and so on that are out there. And oftentimes when you think about it, if I want to sell someone a Band-Aid, there's three ways I could do that. I could look for people with cuts. So basically, I'm looking for clients that have a problem I can solve, right? But that requires them to be aware that they have this problem and I'm coming in to solve it. I could look for clients who are afraid of getting cut. So, hey, look, you're probably going to need to sell your house. You mentioned you're probably going to want to sell your house in the next X number of years. And so you're probably going to want to refresh your house now so that you can enjoy it, live in it. I'm just making this up, by the way, right? But I'm selling like the future of, hey, look, if at some point you need to sell your house, well, you're going to need to do A, B, and C. So I'm, I'm looking for people who are maybe afraid of getting cuts. But the third way I talk about in terms of selling a Band-Aid is you cut people, right? And I'm not, of course, suggesting you go out and intentionally harm anyone. But what I'm saying is people walk around all the time with problems that they're not even aware of in their head. And it's oftentimes, sometimes it's in the back of their mind. Sometimes they're problems that, that they're not even holding out on you with, but they just don't know exist. So you might go and work with a client and you might tour their house or facility, whatever it is. And say, did you realize like you have an issue here and an issue there. And maybe there's like a some kind of jurisdictional violation that's in place like this wiring isn't working. You know what I'm saying? So like basically you're bringing problems and I say problems in the best possible way to your customers. And it could be something as simple as looking at a space. Now I'm stretching far outside of my comfort zone here, but hopefully you're buying it. But maybe I come in and I look at your space. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like how do you function here? The fridge is right, is all the way far away from here. You have this crazy island that's going out in the middle of nowhere. Like, it, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's right. Shoot, you know what? Like, I never realized how poorly designed this space is. And now what you've done is you've come in and you've cut me, right? Now I realize that I need, there's a problem I need solving. Right. And again, this is, and I say this in the best possible way. You're not doing this like a schlocky used car salesperson where you're trying to create the need, but you're doing it based on the things that you see and hear all the time. For example, I might work with your audience here and I say, Hey, look, I work all the time with business owners who realize that they have a passion for what they do and they love growing their business, but they just hate selling. Like they can't stand it. And again, like that might be an example of quote unquote cutting your audience. Because maybe no one's ever come to them and say, it's okay to hate selling. It's okay that you hate doing this, but you need to. And you're like, okay, David, I'm bought in. What do I need to do? Right? So what I've done is I've just cut you. I've created a little bit of pain so I can come in and hopefully address it. 
what I really love about that is you're helping the client too. Not only are you seeing the problems and you're saying, hey, here you have this crappy code violation. <laughs> we need to design around it and fix that. But it's going to help them because, you know, that's unsafe. They could get fined. Where's the fine line between cutting your client and seeing these problems that they didn't even know existed? They don't know what they don't know. And you're going to help them and fill that need and offending them. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Putting them off. Or as interior designers, where we go into people's homes, it's a little touchy anyway, because it's a very intimate city situation and people are expecting us to judge them. I'm one of those people, by the way, that hates selling. I hate it. I really can't stand it. And I would get very conscientious of insulting anyone <laughs> in their home. I was not as straightforward as I could have been, and I could have done a lot better And looking at it from a perspective of helping them with these problems. But where's the fine line? Yeah, well, there's actually a tactic I teach that is really helpful in these situations. And it's actually universal because in, in a way, what you're describing is, yeah, I'm afraid of offending the client or calling their baby ugly. Right. And sometimes we need to do that. But this, but the same thing actually happens. Let's say if I work with a younger, I do a lot of work with young sellers, right? And young sellers are, are different than old, older sellers. They're sometimes in cases like more empathetic. They're like, I don't want to bother my customers and I don't want to, I don't want to tell them their baby's ugly. But also I often end up speaking to clients that are older and more experienced than I am. Right. So imagine you're a young interior designer, architect, and now I'm going into someone's home or their place of business and I want to give them some advice, but I'm also like a little bit scared and emotionally encumbered to give this advice because like I'm young and like, what the heck do I know? I actually refer to this as experience asymmetry. It's an imbalance that gets created when you're younger, newer, less experienced. The way I kind of describe it, I have three daughters, two of them are teenagers, and when they come to me and they're about to hit me up for something, like my daughter, the like the other week, my daughter, she comes to me and she says, like, she had a, an early morning volleyball practice that she didn't, she forgot about, she didn't tell anyone, and now she needs me to give her a lift in the morning really early. And she comes to me, she's like, so dad, I'm like, whatever it is, I'm super defensive, like, I, immediately, right, just by the way you're approaching me. So one of the tactics I teach to kind of get around this, which is really aligned with your motion as well, is to think about who can I impart the credibility or the onus for making this statement? Who can I put this onto? So for example, imagine I come into a client and I'm looking at this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, this is horrible. It sucks. This is not functional. And I don't want to call your baby ugly. I could think about some clients of mine that I've helped that had the exact same situation and tell you their story and say, it's interesting. When I look at a space like this, I have lots of clients who have similar spaces. And some of the things they told me was that it doesn't work for this, it doesn't work for that, we're a little bit cramped in this. You're kind of telling a narrative, and now it's not me saying, it's other people that are other clients like you who have way more credibility than I do. And if you get angry, you're not really gonna get angry with me, you're really getting angry with these other people who had the same problem, which is kind of hard to do. So that's what I like to do when you're calling your baby ugly, calling someone's baby ugly. Take the onus and put it onto someone else and kind of share that story. I love that, calling the baby ugly. If you listen to episode 258 with Julianne Hendrickson, then you know we do a kick-ass job marketing for our interior design clients. 
That's one way to go is to have us do full service marketing for you guys. But did you know that we also have a standalone strategy, your digital marketing playbook for all things digital marketing on social or even on the Googles, on the internet, on your website. So if you are not in a position to delegate your full service digital marketing to a firm like ours, maybe it's not in the budget, or maybe you have an intern or a junior designer out there twiddling her thumbs, maybe she needs to make up a 20 or 30 hours a week because it's a full-time job. I'm not kidding. Hand them the digital marketing strategy and say, here, this is how Wingnut does it. This is how they do it for their clients. And they're so successful. Replicate that with this strategy. (laughs) All right. So I'm being a little simplistic there, but they are the exact same strategies, philosophies, techniques, positioning, value propositions, content pillars, content mix that we comprise on behalf of our full service clients. The only difference is, is that we actually implement them for you. So if you want to just get the digital marketing strategy and stop throwing stuff at the wall, stop the spray and pray, and just hoping someone finds you on Instagram, finds you on your social channels, head on over to wingnutsocial.com, check out our social media audit, social media strategy under services, and we will be happy to help you out. It is worth every penny, and we have the reviews that say that exact same thing. That's wingnutsocial.com. We're the very best at what we do. Real marketing, real results. I just recently hired a sales manager for my digital agency, Wingnut Social. Excuse me, I'll just clear my throat. (coughs) Take two. I just recently hired a sales manager for my digital agency, which is what Wingnut Social is, because I used to, I, I would do sales and interior designers, architects would come to me and we would do a little Instagram audit or I would look at their social media and I was so hesitant to tell them how bad <laughs> they were. And I ha- and I know just thinking back and listening to your book and how much more I could have helped those clients if I just called their baby a little bit ugly. So let's talk about delegating the sales. And so I did sales for Wingnut for almost two years. I am one of those who hate sales. I get anxiety. I don't really like it. I'm not great at it. And my new salesperson loves it. How, how okay is that? <laughs> if you hate sales to delegate it out or should you, should we be learning this techniques and just kind of sticking to it? Sales is a thinking person's profession. It's just like engineering or designing a a home. There's so much nuance and so many different kinds of interactions and so many kind of possible outcomes that you really need someone. I mean, a lot of people are what I refer to as like unconsciously competent. Like we encounter really great salespeople that don't have sales titles in everyday life. Maybe you're a personal trainer or a hairstylist and you're just really good at kind of selling even though you have no formal training. But in a more sophisticated purchase, where it's like a considered purchase, there's multiple, sometimes decision makers, there's like a technical element, there's pricing, all that, then that requires a certain level of sophistication to the sales process. And so it's definitely something that's not bad to kind of farm out if you can bring someone in that can bring that level of sophistication. And honestly, also deliver, you're in a service-based industry, to be able to deliver that high touch, white glove customer service. Because one of the things I talk about, if you people out there read my book, Chapter four, I start out with a story about Disney World and how as a father of three, I love to go to Disney World and take my kids there. And one of the things I've come to know is that the the, Disney really focuses on the customer experience and this idea that the experience is the product. Because the reality is, let's say a designer comes into my home 
and wants to kind of you know, make all sorts of changes. And in the end, fast forward X number of months and it's all done. Okay. Was that the best possible outcome for me? And it's funny in the creative space, one of the things I always say to my wife, I'm like, well, how do we know that's the right answer? Like, how do we know we're going to like that? Or because someone could come in, design a space a 10 different ways and there's no right answer. So what that means is that the experience that I go through to kind of arrive at that final destination, like all of the decisions or all of the headaches or whatever it is, the, the time it took, like that ends up being the product in terms of whether I'm happy with it or not, right? It's not just the bits and pieces that you put in place, it's the experience. So being able to have someone on the sales side that is able to create that experience for your customers is really good. So I no issue there with delegating. But the reality is, I mean, oftentimes when people get into the field like yours or people who are listening, you do it because you have a, either a talent. Like, I don't know how many people get into like interior design and architecture because it's for the money. It's not like <laughs> you're doing it because you have either a talent or an interest and a passion for this. And that passion is unlike other areas, because there's lots of people in the in mainstream sales profession who have no passion for what it is that they're selling this widget or that widget. And they're just sales for hire. But people in your space, they love what they do. And so there's no reason why you should be afraid or ashamed of, of selling because all you're doing is you're conveying the enthusiasm you have for what it is you do to your customer. That's it. I love that you mentioned that the story in your book about Disney because they did have a terrific experience model there, right? You talked about how your child dropped their ice cream and someone spotted it and they said, oh, can I get you another one? And you were blown away by something so small. So let's talk about that client retention, that experience in the selling process and in the retention, the referrals and clients and how important that is. And it separates you from just having an interior design business or an agency as a commodity to having an actual experience in a business and what that looks like? I mean, the experience is the product. I'll tell you a story. So I run a like a sales leadership group. And so I was at a dinner once a little while ago with maybe about 20 vice presidents of sales at, in, in my space at a bunch of technology companies. And they were talking about some of the technology they use within their teams. And there was one particular, and I talk about this in the book, I believe as well. There's one particular type of technology in, in, in this space. There's only like a few different companies that provide it. So they were talking about who, Darla, who do you use? And David, who do you use? And Darla was saying, well, I use such and such company. And David was saying, well, I was looking at this other company, but oh my gosh, I had this horrible experience with the sales rep that we had. And one of the other sales leaders like, was it Darla from Wingnut Social? And they were like, yes, it was Darla. And this whole sense negative sentiment around this rep spread like wildfire around the room when everyone realized they were in the same region and were being serviced by the same rep who they did not like which had nothing to do with the technology itself or what they were actually buying, right? And you know this as well. Sometimes you're on the phone with your telco and you're trying to get a discount on your cell phone bill or whatever it is. And the person you're talking to is just giving you this horrible experience. Or you go to buy a car that you could buy at this dealership or that dealership, but you just got a really bad feeling from this particular rep. Or you went into that Walmart and the washrooms were so dirty that you just said, I'm not coming back to this Walmart again. Right. The experience is the product. So whatever it is you're selling, the, what, the end result is important, but the experience the customer has with you transcends all of that. Because at the end of the day, there are people are, let's go back to how we began. People are buying feelings. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why throughout this whole time, we, me and my wife and I, like, we have not pulled the trigger 
on redoing this or redoing that is just because of, oh my gosh, like all the decisions and we got to have like people coming through and everyone's going to say like something different and it's going to take a long time. It's just like enough, right? And, and that's actually what happens. Like the, if you're trying to motivate someone to change and they see that change as being very painful or time consuming or being like a crappy process to work through, they'll just say no. Cause at the end of the day, now, again, I might be overextending here, but I know, in, especially in the technology space, like no one really needs technology. No one really needs interior design work. I mean, really, but really, it's a luxury on whatever level you're selling it. No one really needs most of anything. But what we're buying at the end of the day is feelings. So again, to be able to align your selling motion and the experience you have with those feelings is the most important thing you can do transcending all the nuts. And you could be the best interior designer in the world, but if, if you're putting your customers off, if you're a pain to deal with, then no one's going to hire you, right? So that, that feeling is very important. Yeah, that's definitely the death of your business. If you don't provide a good experience, because it's only just a matter of time, no matter how much marketing or advertising you're doing until those referrals start saying, Darla sucked. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, also on the flip side, I can't tell you like when, you know, all of the things, and by the way, so my last, the last technology company I started was, I worked at, where's the VP of sales? We were an advocate marketing platform. So it was based on this premise that your happy customers are your best salespeople, right? But a lot of companies don't mobilize in the way that they could the authentic voices of their happy customers. So I know firsthand from a data perspective that those voices have a massive conversion rate far more than anything else. And especially in a world where we're more distracted, when I started my business and I said, I needed a logo. So what do I do? I go to my friend Darla and I know Darla had just had a logo designed for her business. Like Darla, what did you do? Right. And you told me and I trust Darla and I just, I just did that. And then when I needed to go, I wanted to celebrate my anniversary with my wife. We wanted to go to little B&B in kind of the wine country near we were. And I had a friend who worked in that area. I'm like, where should we go? And he just told me, and I just did that, right? Because it's easy for me, right? To make that decision and the experience is easier. So if you create a great experience for your clients, and you know this in the service industry, they will tell other people. And that's what we do also at the agency. Not only did I do that at the design firm, but at the agency, we just, <laughs> I heard this on another podcast and I giggled, we touch our clients a lot. <laughs> Right. We have a lot of touch. <laughs> right. Not right. So and we reach out and we're letting them know that we're work doing their work and that we're thinking of them or referring them or answering their questions. And they just know that we are doing the work and we make a really um, terrific experience for them as well. But they're not just a number to us. So I think that's amazing. David, is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you on this topic that you think the designers need to hear before we get into the fire round? No, like I would just say, look, sales is not a dirty word. One, we all have to sell. If you don't sell, you will have no business and you will have no way of un unleashing your passion on the world. But there's a way to do it in a way that is kind of emotionally charged that creates this really great experience. But it require it's not automatic. Like it requires like careful thought and study to do it the right way to create that great experience. So I would say if this is an area that you're struggling with, I'm not saying you, you can either hire someone. But also, you can also double down a little bit on your own professional development to to get just a little bit better at kind of recognizing the trends and patterns and tactics you can use to really unleash your passion. Because what you do is wonderful, and being able to share that with the world is your duty, right? But you want to do it in a way that makes you feel good. 
Love that. I love that whole paradigm. Or you could just send your book, sell the way you buy <laughs> you it, to your sales manager. <laughs> David Premer, now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? Yeah, let's do it. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? I would have to be cerebral. You know, that's so it's the name of my business is Cerebral Selling. And as a former research scientist turned salesperson as I am, like that would be it. I think thinking is my superpower. It's also my kryptonite. But it's lit, as it is for most, as whatever your superpower is, it's oftentimes your kryptonite, <laughs> but that would be for me. You are stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your favorite food forever. What's it going to be? This one's really easy. For my American friends, you may not totally get this, but in Canada, we have a kind of potato chips that are ketchup flavored. The ketchup chips, I didn't realize until my adult life that, that, that you don't have them in the States or other places in the world. But here, they're extremely popular. So if you love potato chips, I urge you to try ketchup. It's not how you, it's not what you think. They are absolutely delicious. All right. I'll have to try this. Sound delicious. And last but not least, please recommend a book that has impacted you either personally or professionally. Other than my book, which had an impact on me as I was writing it. One of the books I really love is Dan Pink's book, as I mentioned off the top, To Sell as Human. Dan Pink has written a bunch of great books. He's not a salesperson, but he does. He's written a lot of great books and he does believe that we're all in sales, even if we don't realize it. And so he kind of unpacks the world of sales from the perspective of like history and science and empathy and touches on a lot of the concepts. So I'm really grateful to him as well for inspiring and endorsing my book. So it's a great one to check out. Awesome. David Premer, please tell the audience where they can go to find out more about you and we'll call it a day. Yeah, well, you already mentioned the book, Sell the Way You Buy, which you can get anywhere you buy books on Amazon. And if you feel like listening to six and a half hours of me reading my own book, then you can check it out on Audible. And my business is called Cerebral Selling, all one word. And I give away tons of content for free. If you just go to my website, CerebralSelling.com, it's on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a Facebook group. I give away, I have a YouTube channel, tons of stuff for free that you're more than welcome to avail yourself of. You do a really good read on that audiobook too, by the way. That's how I listened to it. That's how I read it, quote unquote. You do a really good job. A lot of authors that, that read their own books, it's kind of a slog fest to try to get through. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I don't want to read like my own book because they were like, it's going to take you to do that six and a half hours. It's going to take you like 35 hours of reading just to kind of get that. And then just having to relive my own book. But in the end, people encouraged me to do it. They said, like, we like listening to authors read their own book. And of course, I'm a sales trainer and this is what I do. So I'm like, okay, I can do it. And I'll tell you, as I read it, I like fell in love with it all over again. I really enjoyed reading my book. Hopefully you can, you can hear that. And it only took 15, 16 hours of reading. Like they were telling me it's going to take you longer, but I was just like pounded enough. This is a really good book, which is the intention. So hopefully you all enjoy it. Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> David Premer, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, Darla. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I admit, I was one of those interior designers that had Anjana about selling my services. And as a business owner, as a rainmaker for your interior design firm or what have you, the head of your firm, that is you. That job falls on you to do that. So you can't be shy about it. You can't be cringy about it. You're the rainmaker. You have people to employ. You have you have food to put on the table, etc. So I do hope that David... Premer has helped you change your mindset a little bit when it comes to when it comes to selling, selling your services. And if you sell the way you buy, I think that that's a no brainer, right? It's going to resonate with you, feel comfortable with you. Your clients are going to see that you're coming from a genuine place and win win all around. So sell the way you buy available on uh, wherever you get books, really, I, I highly recommend the audiobook. Don't forget the wingnut webinar. 
June 30th with Rochelle Platt, all about value-engineered furniture, why it's crap, and how you can tell your clients it's crap, (laughs) in a nutshell. And Wingnut Academy is coming soon. I promise you guys, it's stellar. It's going to be worth the wait. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com, Wingnut Academy, sign up for that launch, those updates when that comes out. And that is it for today. Until next week, remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. David Primer now has ah, a blooper. (laughs) Good job. All the bloopers are mine. That's okay. Good boy, Mango.